Hello and welcome back to There's a Hack for That. This is episode 38, Life Hack, Your Operating Manual, Intro to Human Design with Katie Irvin. Eric and I had such a blast chatting with Katie about human design, and you might be thinking, what is it? I've never heard of it. Human design, as Katie described it, is a practice of knowing yourself. It is an operating manual for our unique bodies. Um, There's a lot of spirituality and very ancient wisdom and planets and a little bit of astrology. It's it's kind of a, a combination of a lot of different things, but it is a map for getting to know you. We go into the three main components of a human design chart, and Katie actually ran Erica and I's charts and allowed personal examples to be used in the conversation. So you might hear things that feel like you feel like you connect with, and it's possible that maybe we share some of our traits in our charts. So make sure to go run your own human design chart for free at www.mybodygraph.com. And uh, we will talk about some more resources in the episode about how you can learn more about what your chart means and how you can dive right into learning more about yourself. There are lots of free resources on Katie's website and in all of her contact information in the show notes. So make sure to go follow her, follow Eric and I, and of course, follow the podcast. Make sure you are subscribed or following us on your favorite platform to listen so that our new episodes will just automatically pop up on your device as soon as they publish. And of course, rate and review this episode and the podcast and tell us what you love. I know that this conversation is going to leave you wanting so much more, just like it did for us. So here is our amazing conversation with Miss Katie Irvin. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. We are here with human design guru. Well, I find her to be a guru. (laughs) Katie Irvin. Um, She is from Sort of Spiritual on Instagram, and we are so excited to have you here today. Hello, Katie. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm always excited to talk about human design. Any excuse I get. <laughs> we were referred to you by one of our other guests, Viani, and you can, you can find her episode. Um, it has already published by the time you're hearing this, listeners. Um, but she mentioned you more than once in our conversation, <laughs> and we just had to talk to you next. So thank you so much for being here. Um, we would love to hear what this is what is human design and how did you find it how have you made um a business out of it really but how did you get into this yeah it was honestly a complete accident i never in a million years thought that i would be doing something like this for a business i was like the exact opposite of anything spiritual growing up like i thought it all was just like crazy talk like had no interest in it you know grew up going to church and whatever but Um, never thought I would be into this realm, like wasn't into astrology or anything like that. And so I say all of this because human design really at its core is a system of knowing yourself, but it's a synthesis of many other systems, such as Western astrology, such as Kabbalah, such as the Chinese I Ching, the Hindu chakra system. So it has its roots in some of like the more like esoteric, like woo woo kind of spiritual things. Although I find it's a really grounded way to help you understand yourself and know yourself. And that was very much something I was obsessed with for a really long time in terms of like personality tests and, you know, just trying to figure out who I was and 
I was very much like addicted to anything personal development um, because I really grew up quite miserable and I just didn't like myself and I didn't think there was anything good about myself. And so I was like constantly searching for something that would help explain who I was and that like there was actually good parts about me. Um, so I had, I had a similar experience. I feel that on like so many levels. Yeah. And I think a lot of people do as well. And like, I don't think it's getting, I mean, I don't know. I have some hope for like the younger generations, but I also think when it comes to social media, it's really difficult because we're so inundated from a young age of like all these other people and all these other ways of being. And sometimes it's difficult to actually know who we are. Some people, I think, operate well through the contrast, but anyways, I wasn't one of them. <laughs> um, so I, through a sort of series of random events, ended up working for a business coach, and she held a mastermind at this like beautiful Ritz Hotel in Paris and hired someone who was a relationship coach, actually, but she specifically in that session did human design, and that was my first ever introduction to it. And it was something that was, it felt immediately true for me because the person running the session was kind enough to run my chart as well. And I was the only person in the room that was a manifester. And Erica, you're the manifester, right? Yeah. Correct. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you're also a manifester. And I was the only person in the room. Manifestors are only about 10% of the population. So that made a lot of sense. But what didn't make sense to me is like, okay, if manifestors are supposed to be like powerful and able to get things started, how come I'm the assistant at the back of the room getting paid like $20 an hour? And these other women are here with six figure, seven figure businesses. Like, I don't get it. What's, what's not lining up. And I mean, in one hand, it made a lot of sense to me because it just felt like my entire life was so out of alignment and such a disaster at that time. Like I had crazy health issues in terms of like my stomach and allergies and my marriage was, I was like, I think when I found human design, it was like two weeks before I ended up leaving my husband. So it was just, everything was kind of like not on great footing. So it was no shock to me that I wasn't in alignment with my human design. Um, but that's how I initially found it. And then in terms of creating a business, oh, it, again, it was, uh, a very much of a process of like my life crumbling. And I had wanted to have a business for a while. Um, I took, you know, coaching certifications and that kind of thing and thought that that's what I would do and did it a little bit, but it just never felt really right. And I always felt like I was looking for something to help me understand my clients, to help me understand if like, is what they're doing actually in alignment for them? Is like, am I supporting them in something that's actually good for them or, are they just looking at everybody else and thinking, oh, that's what I want because that's what I'm supposed to want, right? And I couldn't help but get more into human design. It was just like every time I would try to learn more about it and then kind of be like, okay, no, like focus on this other stuff, I would just end up right back in it. And then it was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to like listen to my human design. I'm going to experiment with this. I'm just going to see what happens. And really from the moment that I started doing that, things just got so much easier when they had, you know, I really was at a kind of like rock bottom place. Like I had blown through my savings trying to start a business. I had to ask my parents for money to help me pay my rent. I had like, it just felt like nothing. And, um, you know, obviously I'm really grateful. I had parents who were willing to help in that situation. Not everybody does. 
Um, but once I actually started implementing my human design and following my human design, it was like, oh, this business stuff actually isn't so bad. And I actually can do this and it doesn't have to feel exhausting and it doesn't have to be awful. Like my prior kind of experience of it was. Yeah. And I, I want to point out, cause I think one important distinction for me when I was learning about human design, cause Two for me was something that kept coming up and I kept ignoring it. And I was like, no, I don't want to do another like thing to get into because I had already kind of gone deep into astrology and mm-hmm. Enneagram and a few other things. I was like, no, I don't need like another thing with because I was like, I don't need these more rules of like what I'm supposed to be or who I'm doing. So I completely misunderstood what it was. But the thing that helped it click for me was like astrology is more like personality type based. And when we're doing human design, it's, it's almost I mean, it's more, but it's like more energetics almost. Yeah. Like, how would you? define it to someone who is like, what is human design? Yeah, I look at it kind of as like an operating manual. So human design um, often says that our body is like a vehicle. And so it's like we've been given this vehicle and there's different types of vehicles and we haven't been given an instruction manual of how to use this. So, you know, maybe you meet Lauren and you're like, oh, wow, Lauren looks like she's on this great path. I'm going to start operating like her because it looks like she's doing great, right? And little do you know, you actually have different vehicles. So if you start doing the things the way Lauren does them, it's actually not going to work out in the same way for you. And so I look at it as it's at the sort of basis of human design is your type strategy and authority. And those three things, it's like, okay, how does your vehicle work? How are you going to operate in the way that's the easiest for you? And I totally understand the idea of these things feeling limiting sometimes, Um, and I think it's, again, to me, at least when I see human design is like, I don't think it's limiting and I don't think that's what you're saying either, but I think in some ways having limits is actually really helpful because if you have, you know, if you like go into like, I don't know, the cockpit of some kind of like spaceship and there's like 7 million buttons to press, it's like, I have no idea where to even start versus like, if there's three, then you're like, okay, I'll figure this out sooner or later. Right. So kind of like narrowing things down and limiting things can sometimes be really helpful, especially when it's going to help you be aligned with who you are. And so I look at it more as it's a a helpful kind of narrowing as opposed to like putting you in a box and limiting you. I totally feel like I have fallen. I have like literally found the instruction manual to myself. Yeah on the internet. And I'm going to use words because I've been like obsessing about this for days, listeners, (laughs) but I'm a generator. My authority is my sacral center. And it never in my entire life, even as a business coach or a manager or a business owner occurred to me that not everyone hears that inner voice way I do. And so I was like, kept finding myself coming up against these like huge walls with business coaching clients, specifically realizing that I was trying to coach them as if they were also the same way I am. But 100%. I had no idea that I literally was speaking a totally different language and they didn't understand me because I was speaking generator language and my entire world is full of projectors, for example, yeah. like I ran everyone's charts. So it really, it does feel like an instruction manual. Um, and it's, it's all suggestions. It's not limits. I just feel like I'm meeting myself for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And even when we talked on Viani's 
episode, we were talking a lot about the seasons of our cycle. And one, one takeaway from that episode was like, you know, some days we're happy and want to be around people. And some days we just want to rest and we need to kind of regroup. And as a manifester, like my energetic urges, I've always kind of been hard on myself with like, well, why can't I just always have that energy? Like people love that version of me. Um, but then sometimes I just crash. And so one thing when I learned my human design was to just be more compassionate with myself and be like, oh, this is why I just like have these kind of energetic yeah. pushes and I get so much done. And then it's like, okay, I need to go to bed now and don't talk to me. <laughs> exactly. And that's one of the, my favorite things about human design is like, for me, it just really gives me so much compassion for myself of like, I don't know. It's like when you can see it just sort of in black and white or in the random colors that human design has chosen. <laughs> um, when you can see it just on a page like that, it's like, oh, I'm not crazy for feeling like this. I'm not crazy for being this way. And Erica, um, as we mentioned, like you have a fairly similar design to me and the channel that you have that makes you a manifester, the 1222 is the same one that I have. And it's one of the most emotional channels in the chart as well. And That's so, accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so not only do you have the experience of being a manifester where you have these like urges of energy, you also really have this like roller coaster kind of, of emotion of like these high highs and these low lows. And for me, when I was, I can't remember, maybe 12 years old, 13 years old, something like that, I was diagnosed as having bipolar, but like literally after my pediatrician asked me a series of like 10 questions and then put me on a prescription, you know, and I didn't last on it. Like I grew up doing ballet and like when I was on the, the prescription, I like couldn't use my limbs. It was like, I didn't like my like the, there was a something getting in the way of like my brain versus like my feet. So I didn't, I was on it for not very long at all, but I look at that now and it's like, I'm not bipolar. I just have high highs and low lows. And we live in this very homogenized world of like, no, everyone should be the same and everyone should be even, and everyone should be this all the time. And it's like, well, that's actually not true. And that's certainly not my experience. And seeing that helped me to be like, when I get into those lows, it's like, this is okay. This is just like, you know, again, using the roller coaster analogy is like, you can't be on a roller coaster only going up all the time. Like you have to go down too, or it's not going to be a very fun ride. And so it's like, we've just kind of opted to have a, a different type of ride in this lifetime. And when we allow ourselves to go to the lows, even though I still honestly fight them a lot of the time, um, it makes them a lot easier because it's like, okay, I'm not going to be stuck here forever. I'm not going into a depression. It's okay. I just need to like, let myself be I kind of like, you know, drawing a parallel back to the work that Biani does with cycles. It's like the winter doesn't last forever. Right. And it's the same with this. So I think being able to see yourself and understand yourself and have compassion for yourself is really one of the reasons that it's like, I have to do this for work. Like I have to share this with more people because man, if I knew this when I was younger, maybe I wouldn't have hated myself for so long. That's one of the first things I did um, when I started adding people's charts to, there's a website listener called My Body Graph. Is that what it is? My Body yeah, Graph? Yeah, mybodygraph.com. You put your information in and it pulls up your chart. You won't have any idea what it, any of it means, but <laughs> you can go do it. And if you want to research like I did, but I ran my niece and nephew and my boyfriend's kids. Like immediately I wanted to know how I can communicate with mm -hmm. them better because I was raised to be a manifester 
and or projector. And that is mm -hmm. absolutely not who I am. So now I'm 37 and meeting myself for the first time and reali realizing I've always had this like internal, like pushing against what I'm being told and prodded and guided to do. Um, yeah. And, and it's like, to be able to be a person in these kids' lives to like see them differently and communicate mm -hmm. differently, especially because most of them are um, not anything like me. So I can't, I'm no longer going to feel like I need to project what I know on them. Yeah, and I find that for whatever reason, it seems like everyone in the world is conditioned to be a manifester except for manifestors. Mm -hmm. And so it's like everyone else is just like, go out, do it, make it happen. And then manifestors are told like, whoa, stop that. You can't just do this. You need to slow down. You're too much. This is too much. You can't just do this. And so it's like they're the ones that are supposed to be really going out and just doing things and making things happen. But instead we end up, I find really like hiding away and like not understanding our value and becoming really intense people pleasers most of the time, because it's like, no, what you are is too much. We can't handle you. We don't know what to do with you. So just like stop doing all those things and listen to what we say. And that's, so I think, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say that's one of my number one, like core wounding limiting beliefs is like, if I show up, I'll be too much for people. If I show up authentically, people get sick of me. They'll leave. Those are all the, the things that I've experienced because it's like, and some of that comes from the ups and downs of the, the, the ride of the manifestors. Like, cause I'm kind of, and, and I'm also a Gemini. So Same. not only do I have, <laughs> okay. So not only do I have like the dual personality of that, but then I've got the, the, the emotions going all over the place. So I've been told, especially in relationships, like, it's like, we never know what we're going to get. And so to me, that's been like, okay, hide that and just show up as a happy person all the time because people know what to do with that. And, oh, you know, I'm yeah. in this beautiful place now where I, I'm not afraid anymore just to show up and be like, hey, I'm here and I don't feel like saying anything. So I'm just going to sit in the corner. Like, I want your company, but I don't feel like talking or like, if I'm in a bad mood, I just say, hey, I'm not in a great mood. Like, I don't want, you know, whatever it is, but it's, it's tough. It's not easy to do that, but I'm learning how to do it more and more and more. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, understanding those experiences, it's like, can you imagine growing up if your parents understood that and they didn't make you and like, you know, through no fault of their own, but they just didn't understand that like, Hey, your operating instructions are like, they just burst out a little roller coaster, you know? And it's like, they didn't know that. Um, and so it's like, if you were like prized for the highs when you have them, and if you were given time to kind of like rest and recuperate when you had the lows, mm -hmm. instead of it's like, Oh my gosh, Erica, why are you being like this? Or, you know, and it's just like, you really That's can't help it. <laughs> well, a lot of kids are raised thinking something's wrong with them because Parents don't know to go look this up and get an instruction manual for their children. But like I was, I, I still am a fairly unemotional person. And so I've well, been yeah, I don't think the you bitch. have the emotional center to find. No, so. like I'm a, I'm a bitch. I'm an ice queen. I'm hard, you know, severe has been a word. Intimidating is when I get a lot. And I'm like, well, yeah, have you read my instruction manual? <laughs> That's just, I like don't understand other people's emotions. So I have, you know, I live with a generator who is uh, solar plexus, like all of the emotions. And I'm yes. just like, what is happening all the time here? But now I understand. I'm like, oh, he just needs to be left alone. I'll just I'm just going to go hermit over here. You guys just <laughs> let me know when you're ready to, like, communicate and <laughs> talk. Yeah. And like, again, thinking about that dynamic in relationships, my partner's a generator. He has the emotional solar plexus open. 
And it's like, if he was to like look for a reason every single time that I was having an emotional situation, or if he was to like internalize it, like, oh no, she's mad at me or I've done something wrong. Like, man, what a mess of a relationship that makes, you know, instead of just being like, okay, she's having some emotional time. I'm gonna see what she needs and then I'm gonna give her some space. And like, that's good. Instead of it's like, oh no, this is bad. This is wrong. You shouldn't be this way, right? And then it's like, for the non-emotionally defined people, yeah, emotions are usually fairly uncomfortable. And so it's like, okay, cool. Like learn that you don't have to take them on and then get some space and it's fine. <laughs> I what I ran my dad's chart, who is who I primarily learned my debilitating codependency from. And he and I have almost the same uh makeup, different channels and all of that. But like I learned the like non-emotional codependency from him as a generator, also sacral. So I'm just like, oh, because of course I think I did something wrong. If you're so upset, what did I do? Yeah. Like, how can I fix it? Well, I'm not supposed to. I'm supposed to just walk away. But you know, yeah, I love and you and like, you'll figure it out. Let me know when you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but what a relief. Like, what a huge burden that I was able to realize and like let go of when I've literally lived all my life thinking that I was the one that was creating all the problems. Yeah. And it's interesting, um, just kind of going back to what you said about people thinking that you're like intimidating or I forget what the other word, severe was, the, I think the other word you use. And like, I was looking at your charts earlier and one of the gifts in your chart is focus and power. So it's like when you have this like focused power, yeah, that is intimidating for some people, especially you also kind of have one of the uh like you have kind of corrective tendencies in your chart so you can see when there's problems you can see when things need to be fixed and that that's annoys really the shit out of everybody pardon <laughs> that annoys the shit out of everybody they're like why are you always just talking about what's bro what's wrong and what's broken i was like because i can see it everywhere yeah and so that's your incarnation cross your cross of service yes. my boyfriend actually has the same one and sometimes it drives me a little bit crazy but it's also something that i really appreciate when i ask for it because it's like hey what can you see that i can't see but not everyone not that i'm like saying i'm the most emotionally mature person because lord knows i'm not sometimes um but when you're with people that are like sort of mature enough to appreciate that and to ask for that, then it works out really well. But a lot of people aren't willing and aren't available to be called on their bullshit. And they just want everyone else to go along with it and pretend like everything's fine. And so then when you come in with this power and you're like, well, actually, no, this doesn't work. And like, you can't be doing that. And this could be better. Um, you know, I can understand people that doesn't work for everybody, right? That's why I'm a terrible employee because I... <laughs> yeah. I, I've literally been told that like that was my primary uh, feedback in like employee uh, reviews was the severity and, you know, intensity, but also like you can't just walk around telling everyone what they're doing wrong. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not telling them they're doing it wrong. I'm just offering a suggestion that <laughs> there's a better way. <laughs> and I don't always know the better way, but this is kind of why I think I was drawn to coaching but I have such a hard time when people aren't as bought in as I am because yeah. I can see all the issues, but a lot of people aren't ready to, to do it. But now as a, if I did continue pursuing coaching, I would, I want to learn more about this so I can actually speak to people in the language they understand. Like what a huge advantage. Yeah, yeah. seriously. And should we maybe do like a very quick run through of like for someone who's listening and either 
hasn't heard of it or maybe they've heard of it, but they've never run their charts. Like what are the, like, let's go through manifestor, generator, projector, man, just a yeah. quick like description of each of them maybe. Yeah, for sure. So again, when we were talking about, if you go get your chart, if you go to mybodygraph.com, it will spit up something that sort of looks like a person with a bunch of shapes on it. And what you want to focus on is it'll tell you your type, your strategy, and your authority. So we'll go over the types. There's five types and the type and strategy always go hand in hand. So for manifestors, they're about 10% of the population and their strategy is to inform. I actually look at it a little bit differently. I think the manifestor strategy is to follow your urges and then you need to inform um, because a lot of people leave that out and manifestors are like, okay, inform people of what? This doesn't make any <laughs> sense, right? But the idea being that manifestors are designed to operate essentially through getting these urges and then they go out and do the urges and then they need to rest. And then once they rest and kind of recuperate, they'll get another urge. And so, oh, I could talk about this for like an hour just on its own. So let me move on. <laughs> so the next type generators, um, they're about 37% of the population and the generator strategy is to respond. And so, whereas a manifestor are designed to get their own sort of urge internally and go and do things, generators are meant to respond to the world around them. And so I always kind of say that it's like they're dancing with the universe and the universe is always the one leading. And so in that way, like, I don't know if you have ever done like partner dance with people, but if you have a good person leading you, it is like a hundred times more fun than you could have on your own because it's just like they can swing you around and twirl you and throw you. And it's just like the most fun. And so generators really get to have that experience with life if they let it happen. And because generators are so conditioned to be manifestors, they're like, no, I want to go and do things. I want to initiate things. I want to start things. I have to make things happen. And it's like, listen, you will make things happen. <laughs> Lauren's raising her hand. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> um, you will make things happen, but everything can happen so much more easily and so much more fun if you allow the universe to take that first step. And so you respond to things outside of you. And that could be like someone being like, hey, Lauren, I heard about this job that you'd be great for. And maybe you're like, uh-huh. Or you're like, uh-uh, because you know the jobs are not your thing, right? Or maybe it's like, oh, you should really listen to this episode of this podcast. And it's like, uh-huh, yeah, okay. And I mean, who knows what's going to be in that episode that's going to spark you on the next leg of your journey, right? But it's really being available to like what's in my external reality and what like lights me the heck up. What am I just like, yes, 100%, I want to do this. I'm so excited versus what's like, Ugh, like, okay, fine, I'll do this. Okay, like that's not <laughs> what you want to be going to. I feel, I feel all of that very intensely. <laughs> <laughs> so then we have a hybrid, which is a manifesting generator. And they're strategy technically is to respond like the generator type, but they also have that need to inform like the manifester. So they're not going to initiate in the same way that a manifester does. They're still really meant to respond to the world around them. And that's because of the sacral center. So if you look at your body graph, if you're a generator or a manifesting generator, you'll have that red square kind of second from the bottom. And when you have that, that is what allows you to respond. And it kind of like knows better than you do. It knows what's in alignment for you. And so again, with manifesting generators, it's the same thing about responding, but then because they also have some of that manifestor energy, they wanna inform, they wanna let people that are gonna be impacted by their actions know what they're up to because the energy can be like a force. And so it's just like, okay, I just wanna know what you're doing. Just let me know what's happening. Let me know what's changing. 
And so that's the manifesting generator. And then projectors, this is where it starts to get like more unique, where projectors are designed to wait for the invitation. And I know so many projectors where it's like they either, when they hear about this, they're like such a sigh of relief or they're like, what? I don't want to wait for the invitation. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, and so again, the idea being that like the universe for them is sort of like laying these steps out for them. If something is right for a projector, they'll have an invitation for it. They'll be invited into it. And an invitation can sometimes, you know, actually be a formal invitation to like a job or a relationship or a, to host a podcast or whatever. Right. But sometimes it's, or rather for projectors, a lot of the time it's like you following your own, what lights you up and not because you, so projectors like to be seen. So it's like, follow the things that light you up because they light you up. And when you do that, you naturally get invitations versus doing things to be seen to kind of like force invitations. And this is something that most projectors like really resonate and they're like, oh yeah, I've been trying to do that whole forcing myself to be seen thing and it hasn't been working out so well. Um, and again, projectors have um, a very different quality of energy about them in the sense that uh, like generators, which whether it's a generator or a manifesting generator make up about 70% of the population, they have this quality of sustainable energy that manifestors, projectors, and reflectors don't have. And so projectors need to be mindful of their energy. And that's kind of where the wait for the invitation thing comes from. So it's like, instead of spinning yourself out and burning yourself out and doing all this work, just like do the things that feel good to you and let the invitations come. And then the last type we have are reflectors and they're the 1% of the population. So their strategy is to actually wait a lunar cycle, which is again, very uh, difficult to do in our like Amazon prime culture where we want everything like right now. It's like a wait a month. Are you kidding me? Like, absolutely not. But the idea being that reflectors are very open. So they don't have any um, colored in centers in their design and they really reflect everything going on around them. So they are very much tied to the lunar cycle. And as they wait a lunar cycle, they can really get clarity on what it is they are here to do and what they want and what feels good for them. And the things that stay in their sort of awareness, they'll continue with. And the things that will just naturally drop off over the course of the month, they can release because it's not for them anyway. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, need a minute. <laughs> the projector description was very helpful because I have only other projectors. Literally, Eric is the only non-projector or generator in my life, which actually reading about you, Erica, gave me so much more appreciation for how you help me as a friend oh. and like a, a co-host and all of the things that we do because I need that other energy, right? For sure. I was thinking the same thing when she was explaining you and especially like just the contrast of like the emotional stuff of just how, cause how we came together and Katie, just so you know, we met like a, a little over a year ago. Um, and just like instantly we we're both like, you're pretty. I like you. Let's be friends. And then, <laughs> and then during the pandemic, we talked every day and like grew this friendship and then started this podcast. And so like Lauren's been such a like without being able to put words to it, like just a good compliment to everything I am. And especially with like being able to see things that I can't see and all that. So it's just having this other element to add into it. It's pretty fascinating. You give me a lot to respond to. That's what I really appreciate. <laughs> really? Like you give me so many things to respond to and you 
are one of the people in my life that I really can hear that response, that gut instinct that I talk about constantly, which I didn't know everyone didn't have. Um, <laughs> but like you, you initiate it a lot faster than a lot of people. And I think I've turned it off in certain relationships because I didn't understand. I didn't want to agree with it because I was like, no, no, no. That'll mean I have to leave this job, leave this relationship, move out of this apartment. Like I was pushing against it. But I, mm -hmm. I get to just say yes or no to you. And it's like great I practice. Know, and that's also why we get along. Because when I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just had this idea. And you're like, OK, let's do it. And I'm like, yeah, it, there's no like, <laughs> oh, well, let's talk about this. I have things to say. Right. Because Katie, that's one thing with manifestors is like, I need to tell people things. But like, I don't actually want your feedback. Like, oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do this thing. And you just need. And actually, I had um, my most recent ex-boyfriend from and now it's been like almost two years. But. Um, he was so good at that because I would just be like, oh my gosh, I want to do this thing. And he, he'd be like, that sounds great. Like he'd never, he would just be encouraging, but I've had people in the past where I'd be like, oh my gosh, I have this idea. And then they'd start giving me all their opinions. And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you things anymore because I'm still just going to do it my way. <laughs> yeah. And that's <laughs> such a big thing for manifestors and to a degree manifesting generators as well. And it's something I almost always bring up on readings with those types is the whole idea of having like secret strategies to get your way, which generally means um, lying to a degree or like withholding information because it's like, I don't want you to stop me. I don't want your opinion. I just want to do what I want to do and I'll do things how I'm going to do them. And it, it really is, again, kind of speaking of relationships. So that's like amazing that you had that experience in my marriage that was such a huge theme and not in the best way of like, I wanted to do all these things and the way our charts connect, like he essentially had a, a control with me, which was not ideal, but it's how it happens often for me because of how <clears throat> my charts configured, but I wouldn't tell him things. Cause it's like, I don't want you to control me. I don't want your opinion. And it's like, I wasn't being malicious. Like I remember this one time stands out I was living in Calgary at the time and I just wanted to go like wander around the mall for the afternoon. You know, it's like, I wanted to like check out anthropology, see what kind of cute stuff was around. And he thought it was like a silly thing to spend my time on or like wanted me to spend time with him or whatever it was. So instead I was like, I'm gonna go grocery shopping. And then I was gone for like four hours. And he was like, <laughs> what the heck, you know? Um, and so manifestors can really get tripped up there or manifesting generators because it's like, I just wanna do what I wanna do. And I don't wanna tell you cause I don't want you to get in my way. And that really can be problematic in relationships because even if it isn't malicious, even if it is like little things, like I said, like wanting to go walk around the mall, it's like every single time you choose not to do that, it's like you're building, like you're putting another brick on like the wall between you, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're missing out on an opportunity to be understood and to like create more of a relationship and to create more intimacy. So it can be tricky sometimes um, if manifestors don't have that experience of someone understanding them and someone being like, yeah, let's go, let's do this. <laughs> so this is a great transition into talking about authority, which is the last piece that you mentioned, because when I was reading about mine and then I dove a little further into my signature and not self theme in association, mm -hmm. it really unlocked my personal um, definition of morality. And I, mm -hmm. I want you to explain authority. And then I'll give a little more explanation to what I just said. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So your authority is essentially how you're designed to make decisions. And the most popular authority is actually the emotional authority. About 50% of people have that. 
And when I first learned about the emotional authority, I was like, this is useless. I'm just designed to wait for clarity. Cool. How is that helpful? You know, um, but the idea being when you have an emotional authority is that essentially your good decisions for you will happen over time. And the idea being, again, when you have an emotional solar plexus, and you have those highs and you have those lows, those aren't an area of clarity to make decisions from. So you need to give yourself some time to kind of like ride it up and down before you get to that even ground and can see things clearly. The other way I like to think of it with the emotional authority, because sometimes the authority, especially when it comes to the emotional center is unconscious for people. And so basically, uh, I won't get into it. There's, it's, it'll be too much. Um, sometimes the authority is unconscious for people. And so it's just difficult for you to have that um, awareness of your emotions. And if that's the case with the emotional authority, sleep on it. Just take time. Give yourself time to make a decision instead of rushing them. And, you know, you might not have awareness of your emotions, but you have awareness of a calendar. So it's like give yourself a day or two days or three days. And often more information will be revealed to you or not. And so sometimes it'll affect your decision. And then like the next day you're like, oh gosh, thank goodness I didn't make that decision because it's like, now that I know this, I totally wouldn't have done that. Or even, you know, with high pressure stuff, when it comes to like sales and people are really putting pressure on you, or it's like, you have to make this decision now. If you have an emotional authority, a correct decision for you will never have to be made right now. It's like, if you are telling me I have to make this decision right now, or it's a no, then it's a no. Like, it's just, it's so easy for me now. It's like, I'm so immune to pressure from other people when it comes to that, because it's like, I know that my best decisions take time and I've spent enough time experimenting with that to really trust that. So that's the emotional authority. The big thing is to uh, be in a place that's emotionally clear when you're making decisions and you're never really going to feel a hundred percent I mean, you might, but it's, it, you don't have to essentially, if you're like 70, 80% for a decision, that's good with the emotional authority. And now Lauren with you, with the sacral authority, that's the second most popular, which is about 30% of the population. And that's that gut instinct that like, yes, or no, it's like, it's clear. And it's like usually pretty obvious and pretty loud. And I find it's so common for people that have this to really, like you were saying, have no idea that everyone else in the world doesn't operate this way. <laughs> and it's funny because I used to work with a coach who also is a generator and she would be like, you know, you know what it is, like tune into it, you know, in your gut. And it's just like, no. And she's like, you, it's like, you know, the decision like right now. And it's like, no, I really don't like I need time, you know? Um, and so it's again, like really having that understanding that like, okay, just because I operate this way, doesn't mean everybody else does. And so with that sacral authority, it's exactly kind of what you described with that, like that gut knowing that like in human design, they talk about sacral sounds, which are like, uh-huh and uh-uh. Which I do and all the not, time. And I had no idea where it was coming from. <laughs> yeah. But you're so lucky that you do that because so many people are conditioned out of it of like, you know, when you're a kid of your parents being like, don't say that. That's rude. Say yes, please say no. Thank you. And that doesn't have the same, um, power as your sacral sounds do. So it's like really allowing yourself to have those. And there's always nuances with the, uh, with the authorities. So not everyone will really connect to the sacral sounds. Sometimes it's more of a feeling of like moving towards or moving away. And if you're a manifesting generator, if you have the 3420 channel, the sacral sounds also don't tend to apply. It's usually, um, just kind of whatever comes out of your mouth first, which is often like a, yep, or, you know, something like that. 
Um, but it's that kind of really instantaneous knowing. And then the third most common authority, which is only 10% of the population, is the spleen. And this is very much your intuition. It's in the now. It's very much about survival of like, what's the best thing for you in the moment? And usually the spleen is described as being quick and quiet. And so it knows what's right for you in this exact moment, but that might be completely different like 10 minutes from now. (laughs) So it's very much about learning to listen to your intuition. And I think so often we are, again, conditioned out of this because the spleen isn't going to explain to you why it's telling you to do the things that it's doing. And so we really let our minds get involved and it's like, well, what, why are you telling me to do this? Why are you telling me to go into the store? Why are you telling me to call this person? Like, I'm not going to do this. This is silly. This doesn't make sense. And so people often, I think have a really hard time, at least in my experience, I find that that's probably the most difficult authority to connect to for people because they just have such a history of ignoring it. And over time, they just like don't even hear the things anymore. And you can absolutely rebuild it, but it's just like that initial connection is difficult. I um, came to this, like I read about this for myself and then it was like, oh, so for me, when I go against what I'm being told by myself, by my design, I get frustrated. Or if I do go with what is being told to me by my design, like make a positive quote unquote choice, I feel satisfaction. So for me, it's not good or bad. It's either mm-hmm. I'm po- I'm satisfied or I'm frustrated. So then it's then it's like what satisfies me may not be the right choice for Erica based yeah. on, on her. So there's really no idea of like good or bad. It's like how my body how my human design responds is what's best for me it has nothing to do with anybody else's opinion of the thing and that was a big eye-opening like realization like that well now I know why I'm so frustrated with literally everything (laughs) but it takes the morality out of it like the traditional Mm -hmm. societal morality and you know with now four kids in my life that are all splenic I'm like okay well here's my opportunity to help them realize that what they're feeling and how they're like their Im- immediate responses to thing are important to take note of. Yeah. Yeah. That's so powerful. And I love your way of looking at that in where it's like using the, this sort of signature and the not self as like a way of removing sort of morality from things. I haven't looked at it that way, but mm-hmm. I think that's really fascinating. And a- another thing I really like to point out with the not self piece as well is like, when you're experiencing a lot of that, that's a really good key to like pay attention, you know, because it's like you are out of alignment. Something is really off if that's your main experience. And one of the things for manifestors, they're not self is anger. And I find that it's a tricky one because I remember when I first read that and I was like, anger, I'm not angry. I never get angry. I don't even like, I don't know anything to do with anger. <laughs> you got angry about being told that you're angry? Yeah, essentially, right? Um, But it was something that I had not let myself ever express or ever experience. I would get Mm -hmm. upset and like cry, but I wouldn't get angry. And I think, you know, often as like women and being a people pleaser growing up and being taught to like be a good girl and be polite, it's like, you're not allowed to be angry. Like I joke all the time with my parents, but like there was no expression of anger really in my household growing up. Like when my parents fought, my dad would say Sharon and my mom would say Brian. And like, that would be the extent of like anger, you know? (laughs) So I never understood what to do with it. 
And I was reading this book um, around the same time that I was introduced to human design called The Great Pain Deception. And it totally changed my life. Um, but it talks about how like sort of type A people or perfectionistic people, which is something I definitely used to relate to, um, had this kind of undercurrent of rage. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that I can relate to. Like <laughs> anger, not so much, but this like undercurrent of rage from either the world not rising up to your standards or you not being able to meet your own standards. And so I was just like in this constant state of rage all the time. And because it's not acceptable to just walk around in society raging, I had really bad allergies or I had, you know, repeated kidney infections or I like almost, I literally caught my ankle shaving once and almost had my foot amputated. Like I ruptured my eardrums and went deaf for a month um, just from getting a cold. I had like stomach problems that lasted for 15 years that were like so severe, but every single test told me that I was fine. And it's like, right, because it's not okay for me to walk around and be angry, but I can have all these other problems that are okay for me to express in the world. So I like to have a conversation with that with manifestors or manifesting generators, because it's like, if you don't have a relationship to your anger, then you're probably suppressing it, which is going to show up somewhere else in your health, in your body, in your life. Yeah. And that, that was my experience too. I never felt anger until, I mean, it's when I started going to my current therapist a few years ago. I'd been seeing her for a while, but I remember she pointed out, oh, like something happens there. She's a somatic therapist. So she works very much with mindfulness in the body. And she's like, it feels like, like you feel angry, but then you shove it back down. And I was like, no, I don't feel angry. And then I, re <laughs> I remember the moment I felt anger for the first time I was going through a very different, it wasn't even a breakup because it was this guy that like, it was just a crappy situation. And it was like, I wanted him to commit and he wouldn't, whatever. And I was on a run and I was thinking about something he did. And I, I all of a sudden like felt this tingling come up my chest and I just felt like I wanted to just scream. And I immediately, and then I felt it for like half a second and I shoved it down and I was running. I was like, oh my God, is that anger? And like all of a sudden <laughs> I was like, whoa. And, and then um, for anyone listening who is resonating with this, go look up Christine Hassler, uh, expectation hangover. She teaches somatic processes to process grief and anger and all these things. And her process for, um, for processing anger is the adult temper tantrum. And I do this to the, like, you know, several times a week, if I feel anger come up, my, my bed is just over there. Like you basically get, you can just like punch a pillow and scream or put on like some rock music and just like let it out or, I'll be in the car and I'll feel that anger come up. And instead of suppressing it, I let out a like wild woman scream and just <laughs> like, no matter, even if it's over something stupid, right? Like I go to Whole Foods and they're out of paleo puffs and I really wanted some freaking paleo puffs. <laughs> like it doesn't matter how little it is, but a suppression of anger is one of the most, um, it's, it's, I mean, you shouldn't suppress it's any of your toxic. emotions, but anger is to thank you. That's the word I was looking for. It's one of the most toxic emotions to suppress, to, uh, to suppress. And I also have issues with autoimmune condition and stuff. And when I learned to start processing my anger, it was, I mean, it wasn't the only thing that needed to be done, but it was a big piece of me not having as, you know, terrible flare ups or yeah. even now when I start to feel something coming up, I'm like, okay, what emotions need to be processed? And a lot of times there's some anger that I've like shoved deep down and I'm like, totally got to let it out. Yeah. And I think as someone who has an emotional center in your system, 
that's a big source of your power. And so it's like when you're suppressing part of it, I imagine it's the same as like, you know, you have a fire hose and you're trying to keep the water in the fire hose. Mm. Like it takes all of your energy to try and do that. And by the way, you're probably not doing a good job, (laughs) Um, but like, you know, it takes so much energy. And then I find it really fascinating. One of the things that human design talks about is essentially your thyroid. And so Mm. many autoimmune disease, how it comes from your thyroid. And so human design equates that to your throat center and there's because we don't understand how our vehicles operate naturally for the most part. I mean, I think I've done readings for like three people that were just like inherently like so aligned and it's so lovely when I come across these people, but very uncommon. Um, and so it's like, if you're not using your energy correctly, it's like you're blasting your thyroid with energy that it can't handle. And Mm. like, I remember I lived in Ireland for a bit and I, for reasons, you know, that didn't understand electricity or whatever, I decided to bring my Canadian hairdryer to Ireland. And I would just like, I plugged it in like the, the converter thing or adapter. It was an adapter, not a converter, which was the problem. Um, and literally my hairdryer melted, like the, like the nozzle part of it melted. And I'm like, that to me is like what happens in human design when you don't understand how your energy works. It's like all this energy is blasting through your throat, which is like your thyroid and your parathyroid. And then it's like everything else in your body goes out of whack so quickly because you just don't understand like the voltage or the energy requirements of your specific system. Yeah. We're just electrical currents. Literally. That's that's the first thing I thought when I saw my chart. I was like, oh, this is just a circuit. Yeah, literally. Literally all it is. Okay. So we have been, I mean, like we're so, we're This is going to be a long episode, y'all. So buckle in. Um, (laughs) Let's. If people want more information, they need to reach out to you. But let's take one tiny detour to your human design school. So tell us a little bit more about what you do as your business and um, the types of offerings you have and like the ways people can plug into the resources that are already out there, um, even if they're not ready to have a reading and sit with you and work with you specifically. Yeah, for sure. So the main thing I work on in my business right now is HD school. And it is essentially a course that's designed to teach you the human design system in 16 weeks. And you have lifetime access to it. So, you know, you don't have to go through it at that pace. That's kind of an ambitious pace. But when I was first learning human design, I wanted everything like now, you know, I didn't want to have to wait weeks and weeks and whatever. I actually took like a four year course in, I don't know, less than a year Um, because it's like, I just need to know everything right now. And so that's what I teach. And it's very much to help you either use human design in your business or work with clients, whether you're a coach or whether you want to do human design readings to really teach you the system in a way that is empowering. Because I find some of the more traditional teachers um, don't always have the most empowering view on human design. And it's like, it's very like rigid and boxy. And I really do believe it's a system to help you empower yourself. And so that's really how I like to teach it. And if you don't want to go into the whole human design school, then I also have um, breakdowns of classes. So it's like, if you just want to purchase the generator class, you'll get the exact class that I teach in HD school. So you can learn about yourself Um, as a generator or as a projector. And I have those classes broken down for all of the energy types, as well as all of the authorities, because there are some other authorities as well that we didn't talk about here today, because they're, they're kind of rare. And um, 
you know, just for the sake of time, we only talked about the three most popular ones. Um, so I have those classes as well. And then I like to do free classes probably like once a month, every other month, something like that. Um, I have free stuff on YouTube as well. If you want to learn a little bit more about that and then I do readings additionally. So if you do want to learn more about your chart specifically, then we can do a deep dive into that and focus, you know, where you want to focus on, um, in terms of understanding yourself better. Awesome. So if someone wanted to, okay, we need, we, this is a hack episode, so we should probably get a little more specific on how people can get started here. So, uh, free classes, um, run your yep. chart on mybodygraph.com. Um, there's actually yep. a lot of information on there and, um, even the little like explaining, like they have little, like, um, they're not really even courses. It's just explanations you can purchase for like $19. Um, yeah. I did that and I found it to be incredibly helpful because it just literally walks you through your chart. I have way mm -hmm. more questions that I'll ask you, but um, <laughs> there's a lot of information out there, but that one seems to be the most concise. Um, yeah. Don't go to Google. That was very confusing. Um, oh, yeah. So run your chart, take advantage of your free classes. What other types of things could people just get in on the ground level? Like they're hearing about this for the first time. They're like, hold on, what? I need to learn more. Yeah, I have a free guide as well that's about the gates and the planets. So when you're looking at your chart, you'll notice a whole bunch of numbers. And if you're like, what are these? I don't understand them. Um, I have a guide that I can give you guys a link to or you can find on my Instagram. And it goes through in sort of a short um, synopsis of what the, the gates mean and what the planets mean. So if you're like, oh, this isn't my Jupiter. Okay. This is a gift. So like I said, you have a gift for focus and power, Lauren. Um, so it's like looking at those aspects can help you to start understand those pieces as well. But really the biggest thing that comes down to is experimenting. And I use that word very intentionally, uh, with your strategy and authority, because the more you build awareness of it and the more you experiment with it and see how it works, you can start to really build trust with it and be like, oh yeah, actually this is easier. I do like to do this. This is more natural for me. And when you build trust with the system and trust kind of with the universe and how it works, like that to me is like the sort of ultimate life hack of just like, oh, okay, this is my user manual. When I follow this, everything just goes easier for me. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so where can the people find you? You've mentioned your website, you've mentioned your Instagram and YouTube. What are the handles for that? We'll put it in the show notes too, but. Yeah, um, so my website is sortofspiritual.com and my Instagram is also at sortofspiritual. There's periods in between the words, but if you just type in sortofspiritual, you'll find it. And then my YouTube, they made me do a weird name for it. I think it's Katie sort of spiritual on YouTube. They wouldn't let me choose just sort of spiritual for an annoying reason. Um, but I have videos on there that go into the centers, which are all the shapes on your chart. So you can understand yourself better that way. I also have a whole Instagram series about those, but I have, you know, a video that talks about walking you through the body graph of like, what the heck am I looking at? and how to get started and what does this mean? So I, um, yeah, I have some great resources there for people as well if they're looking to learn more. Awesome. And then the question we ask all of our guests, which I feel like we've basically answered it, like, what is your favorite all-time life hack? I get an <laughs> owner's manual for yourself, but do you have another one? <laughs> this is such a silly one to even say, but it has made the biggest difference in my life, and that is to drink water. <laughs> I literally grew up mm -hmm. not ever drinking water and 
I, uh, probably two, three years ago now, I actually dehydrated myself to the point of a kidney infection while living in Toronto, um, you know, with access to very drinkable water all the time. And it just never really occurred to me. And as soon as I actually started drinking adequate amounts of water, I was like, oh my God, I have so much energy. And like, my joints don't hurt. This is amazing. Um, so yeah, life hack, drink water. Also drink really great for, water. yes, filtered water. Um, great for <laughs> emotional processing, I find. Like if I'm really going through something emotionally, I'll make sure to like drink lots of water because again, it's just kind of like energetic impulses and like the water, It I really feel like it helps things to like move through you quicker instead of like getting stuck in like those loads for a long time. Pee out your anger. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Have an angry pee. <laughs> well, thank Whatever you. Word. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I feel like we could keep going for a long time. Maybe we'll have to, <laughs> yeah. maybe we'll have to do like a follow-up part two with you. Um, but this has been so interesting. Um, so everyone go connect with Katie on the internet. Um, Take advantage of her resources. Make sure to follow Eric and I and the podcast. Please, please subscribe to the podcast um, so that all of our new episodes will show up on your device as soon as they hit the internet and rate and review. As always, don't forget to stay curious. Stay curious. Disclaimer. This podcast is produced for your universal listening pleasure. Any statements shared during our program are opinions and experiences of our team and guests. If you disagree with any content presented herein, please find another show before submitting nasty grams. This is a positive vibes only platform. If you love our show and want to connect, share your experiences, or know someone who we should interview on future episodes, please don't hesitate to get in touch through our website or Instagram. Thanks for listening to this program brought to you by Daydreamer Network. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Your feedback allows us to rank on the best new shows list and continue to grow our podcasts in order to bring more unique and talented storytellers to the network. To check out our shows, including programs about relationships, sports, business, nutrition, leisure, and more, head to www.daydreamernetwork.com. We look forward to seeing you back next week for another great episode. Have a wonderful day.